for me was pure luck. I remember when I was uh, applying to internships and such. Yeah. I applied everywhere, and I remember I was a kid who would look on career on the career center's website. Yeah. Look every day, three times a day. Apply to every single job that looked even remotely interesting. Mm-hmm. And I remember once I came across a Google Bold internship, thinking, whatever. I mean, I might as well throw my hat in the ring. No yeah. way I'm gonna get it. Yeah. Somehow, some way, that upcoming. February or March, the Google recruiter hit me up and was like, hey, Jared, we'd love to talk with you. I'm like, what? That's crazy. Welcome to the Scribble Podcast, a show where we talk to amazing humans from all around the world to uncover their experiences with life. Our goal is to be able to learn something from our guests to help us personally develop our lives, and we hope you can too. In today's debut episode, we have Jerry Lee, who is currently the COO and co-founder of OneSalting, with a mission of turning underdogs into winners. Jerry is from Torrance, California, and he partners with various academic institutions and organizations to help other people land into their dream careers. He's reached over 40 million people uh, through his work on social media and has his work featured on Forbes, Business Insider, Yahoo, and more. We're very excited to have Jerry as our first guest, and we hope you guys all enjoy the podcast. Yo, Jerry, how's it going, man? Good, Turf. I am so excited and honored to be on your podcast, my friend. Yeah, likewise. I've been uh, following your like one salting for a while now, and a lot of my friends have as well. So it's it's really cool to sort of talk to somebody behind the scenes. Um, but yeah, for for everybody listening, uh, you know what? I'm gonna let you do this. How about you introduce yourself? Yeah. yeah. First, well, first, uh, thank you so much for thinking of me and having me on your podcast. For those people who may not know me, uh, my name is Jerry. I'm the co-founder and COO of One Salting, where our mission is to turn underdogs into winner. All the work that we do is meant to target those who come from non-traditional backgrounds yeah. and help equip them not only with the skills and resources, but also with the mindset and confidence that, hey, yes, you do belong at the Googles, the McKinsey's, and the Goldman's of the world. And so with that, I'm so excited to be here and, and chat with you. And you, and to be honest, that's beautiful because I feel like at, at, at our age or like at least in the undergrad space, um, a lot of people do feel like underdogs. A lot of people do feel like this competitive nature of, you know, going to classes and competing for specific positions and opportunities. It, it gets super overwhelming. Um, and I want to kind of get into that. But before we sort of get into that, how did you get in, involved with, you know, becoming the co-founder and the COO of One Salting? How did that start off for you? Yeah, so... Jonathan and I, we actually had a very similar passion of just helping others professionally. I remember in college, I would always do workshops for my friends and for more organizations, for the Career Center, and also I would host these really random uh, uh, power hours, what I would call them, and Mm -hmm. we would just come together in in my apartment, I'd invite all my friends, and we would just do like career stuff together just for an hour. And... So I knew that career and all that stuff was super important to me because I realized the more that I learned, the more I began to realize how simple it is. Yeah. It's just a matter of someone just needing to tell you how to do it. Yeah. And so I came across John because John was posting on LinkedIn. He was doing a number of these workshops. And at these workshops, he posts about them. Um, and whenever I see him, I was like, wow, like he does this even outside of college. That's awesome. And so he eventually reached out to me. I was like, hey, Jerry. Would love to get connected with you. You work at Google. Would love to eventually move to the Bay. We chatted, and I said to him, "Hey, listen, when you come up to the Bay, let's combine forces and let's just do something together." When you're up here, lo and behold, he came up. Uh, I think maybe a year after we met. Yeah. 
and then uh, we did our first workshop together at UC Berkeley. Mm-hmm. That was the start of everything. Yeah, wow, that's awesome. Because, and here, so cut it sort of to build on that. Um, now, I was checking out your LinkedIn page, and you kind of talked about how um, you, you, you landed your first uh, sort of internship at Google. And uh, prior to that, I guess you were kind of like the underdog, and you felt that sort of pressure or, or that doubt. Um, and I just want to thank you because a lot of people that I know kind of have used your uh, resources to help themselves. And, and that's great because you're acting as this portal for them to advance your careers. Um, but what was that? What, was there something for you that helped you kind of break out of that self-doubt, that underdog bubble to move forward? Yeah, I wish I had a sexy answer here, Turf. But yeah. honestly, like what happened for me was pure luck. I remember when I was uh, applying to internships and such, yeah. I applied everywhere and I remember I was a kid who would look on career on the career center's website yeah look every day three times a day apply to every single job that looked even remotely interesting mm-hmm. and I remember once I came across a Google Bold internship thinking whatever I mean I might as well throw my hat in the ring no yeah. way I'm gonna get it yeah. somehow some way that upcoming February or March the Google recruiter hit me up was like hey Jared we'd love to talk with you I'm like what that's crazy that is yeah yeah wow yeah. Yeah, and then and then, I guess they liked me through the interviews and they gave me an offer. But up until that point, no way I would have had the confidence. Right, I was a kid in high school where I was like, I'm not going to apply to Harvard or MIT because that's not for people like me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. People like me, like I, I'd rather go to like the B tier schools, right? Just mm-hmm. because I, I feel like I'm a better fit. But that's that's the whole thing about people who come from our backgrounds. Yeah. Right. If we all believe that we're not good enough to work at these companies or these schools. And so we, sh- we aim lower than we should. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing I realized about working with the target demographic. And especially for me to go through that transformation mm-hmm. of, Hey, that's for the smart people. That's for people who have more than I do to now. If someone else can do it, so can I. Yeah. No. Yeah, for sure. And you know, I kind of, uh, I've seen this a lot on LinkedIn recently where a lot of people are kind of getting the the um, sort of information to use LinkedIn to leverage, you know, um, connections and things like that for, for opportunities. Um, yeah. And something that really bothered me was throughout my three years of undergrad, no professor, no TA, nobody ever kind of taught me these things. Um, nobody ever taught me how to network. Nobody ever taught me how to you reach out to people, how to communicate with people. And... I've, I've always wondered why that is. Um, and, and like for it's kind of like a, a, a kind of out there type of question. But wh- why do you think that is? Why do you think universities and colleges and other academic institutions don't put more emphasis on stuff like this? I think the, the thing is that they think they do. That's the yeah. whole problem, yeah. right? Is that academic institutions believe they're solving for this problem by putting four career, career advisors for a class of 60,000 students. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so from a dean's perspective, they're going, okay, well, we have a job placement rate of 80%, mm-hmm. right? 90%, 95% within six months, which is one of the metrics that they use. Yeah. I used to work in the career center, so I, oh. I'm familiar with this. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that, like, our st- how do you measure the quality of someone's job? How do you measure how happy yeah. someone is, yeah. right? Um, and I think part of that just comes from they're looking at vanity metrics mm-hmm. that make them feel good. But in actuality, students need a lot more than just, hey, well, come to the career center. And then you come to go to the career center and they tell you 
things in the industry mm-hmm. that may have worked 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. Right. And this is one of the biggest things I've learned is that, hey, listen, like, as, as a former hiring manager and as someone who's sort of seen people get through the door at companies like Google, mm-hmm. right, I'm beginning to realize that, man, there is a game to be played here, yeah. right? There are sort of secret back doors and side doors, not just simply by keep clicking the apply button yeah. that I've seen and I've realized and I've helped others do that I begin to think to myself, man, like other people need to know this. It's not rocket science. Once you know it, you know yeah. it. Yeah. But you just need someone to tell you and for you to actually believe in yourself is a whole other question. Yeah, that, that's completely fair. Yeah, and I kind of agree with you on that. I, I've kind of realized that too, where um, it, it's just kind of like the, the medium of the ways that, for example, you guys reach out to people and, and share advice versus the medium of what these institutions use is so different. Um, and yeah, you know, utilizing things like social media, Instagram, TikTok to share this, uh, you know, these back doors, front doors, side doors. Um, has has been a, a growing thing that I've seen. I'm very happy about that. Um, so yeah, let's take it back to when you first got your internship at Google. Um, you know, obviously you, you kind of mentioned that you had, you know, self-doubt, underdog, all of those feelings. Um, what was that like for you, kind of finding out that you were going to be an intern at Google? It was the best feeling in the world. Yeah. Not going to lie, for the first two weeks. And then as soon as I started the internship, I began to realize I was literally feel like the the odd one out yeah right like my entire class like we had maybe 150 interns and i Mm -hmm. think of those 150 interns we had about 80 schools represented which was great yeah but i think if you think about the makeup of those schools i think the top 10 schools like harvard mit columbia all of them had five six seven eight eight, nine interns. Everyone mm-hmm. else had one intern from their school, right? And so for me, I felt so awkward and so left out because I felt like everyone else had sort of their friend groups already established from all these Ivy Leagues. Yeah. And for me, I was kind of just left out being like, man, I'm the only one from here. Like, I'm the, only, I'm the first one from my school, rather, to be wow, a yeah. intern, right? So yeah. it just felt felt like so weird. And I felt so out of place because, again, it, it, that second layer of imposter kicked in the yeah. and like everyone has their ish together here like everyone's mm-hmm. super smart everyone's coming from harvard and all yeah. these other great schools i'm like man like how am i going to compete um but again like i think the biggest thing i've learned is that people's intelligence or ability to succeed and all that stuff yeah schools schools uh an indicator of that but it's not the de- deter- determining factor. Yes. Right. Yeah. It's, it's similar to like going into university. Just because you go to a university that not that doesn't rank high doesn't mean mm-hmm. you're you're not going to be successful. That just means that you just need to put in the work to make sure you are can compete and are even better than the people who do have a leg up in their world of recruiting. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, so I feel like imposter syndrome, and, and not just that, but I guess just like that, those feelings of you know self doubt and and not fitting in, um, is a big thing for a lot of people. Um, and, and so how did you kind of deal with that when you were in you know at Google and working and amongst all these you know people? I think the biggest thing that I've noticed and seen yeah. is that most people when they think about imposter syndrome they believe that it's more of a 
it's more sort of like an internal internal looking thing mm -hmm. which in actuality i think it's more of an external thing because i think the reason why you don't feel comfortable is because the environment that you're or that you don't feel good enough is because the environment that you're in doesn't foster a level of comfort where you where you don't feel imposter syndrome anymore yeah right yeah yeah. And so the way that I've sort of felt like I've gotten past imposter syndrome, or at least being able to deal with imposter syndrome, and again, I don't think there's ever a cure to imposter yeah, syndrome, is that um, I worked extremely closely with my manager, and my manager eventually became my advocate for everything. Mm -hmm. Right, And so anytime I didn't know the answer to a question, he would jump in. Anytime he, I, he, uh, I needed backup on a project, he would jump in. Right, And so knowing that I had the stamp of approval of someone I looked up to and someone mm -hmm. I was being actively mentored by just let me feel like I was, Hey, you know what? Like things are going to be okay. Like yeah. I'm not going to die. I'm not going to explode. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. yeah. So having just champions, I think has helped me immensely because that has then enabled me to feel more confident in my mm -hmm. work. And like you mentioned, I feel like having mentors and people that you can look up to and rely on for, you know, guidance is, is super important. Um, but I, but at the same time, I also feel as if that's something that people struggle with, you know, finding mentors, finding people to look up to and having there for that support. And so what advice do you have for someone that may be looking to, you know, make connections, network, find somebody um, of that sort for themselves? Yeah, it's actually really funny that you asked me this because yeah. I just got off a call with my mentor. Mm -hmm. uh, that he's been mentoring me for the past four years. And yeah. I think single-handedly is the smartest guy I've ever met. Wow, um, yeah, yeah. But with regards to mentors, I think a lot of people have the idea of mentorship wrong. I think mm -hmm. most people believe two things. They believe mentor, there's a one-size-fits-all mentor where, hey, I want to be mentored by you and just help me with life. And yeah. the second thing is that mentors are are sort of formal relationships where you're like, okay, you are my mentor and I am now your mentee. Let's mm -hmm. move forward. Right. I think both of those are wrong. The way that I've always viewed mentorship uh, is looking up. I first identifying what are the areas that I want to grow in my life or who are the people that I respect? That I'm like, wow, like they, their ability to do X is incredible. I want to learn. Mm -hmm. I think it starts with that, whether it's with your career, whether it's with analytics, yeah. whether it's with personal finance, whatever it is, Identifying that key thing of like, man, I want to learn that from you is, is, is the first step. Yeah. The second step is then identifying, well, who who do I believe is someone who's great at this space? Uh -huh. And how do I get in touch with them? Yeah. I think most people sort of look at mentorship the reverse way where they go, okay, well, hey, Turf, you have a cool background. You have a cool story. I want to be mentored by you. Yeah. But it's like, about what? It's like, oh, I, don't know, I just want to be mentored, right? It's You're not really solving a problem with that. Yeah. I think mentors help elevate you and solve problems in your life that you're not able to grow in as well or as fast as you'd like. Wow. Yeah. And I guess to sort of add to that, what I've learned about, um, the, like the word mentorship, um, is from my experience, um, there was a professor that used to teach at Western and, uh, they retired, but I kept in touch and we developed this, you know, sort of a friendship and that friendship blossomed into what you would call, what people would call the traditional mentorship. But in reality, we were just friends. We'd hop on a call every you know month, every two months, um, every few weeks sometimes. And we would share advice and life experiences and stories. Um, and for me, I, I look up to, to him as a mentor, but more so we're friends. And it was just that reaching out to because, like you mentioned, 
you know, I always thought that the way they conduct themselves within the classroom, the way they teach, the way they communicate, the research they do is very inspiring. It's very good. And I want to learn. And that was sort of the way we developed our friendship. And we have a very good friendship, but it's also sort of like a mentoring thing as well now, um, mm. which is for me, it's it's a very good way to look at it. Um, he's a great person. It's it's a very good relationship. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it sounds like you got that uh, mentorship piece figured out. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's nice. You know, there's so many people around the world and they have so many different experiences and specialties. And, ex you know, it, it's always nice learning from people. Um, yeah, so to sort of, you know, so you were at Google, you know, you've had, you know, sort of doubts, uh, imposter syndrome is a way to put it. Um, you know, you found a mentor there um, and, and you went through this internship. Now, for a lot of people, and for me personally in my life, earlier on in my life, whenever I'd get a good opportunity, I'd get comfortable. And I'd be like, okay, this is my peak. We're going to hang out here now for a bit. But, you know, you, um, from what, what I understand, you kept moving forward and kept finding these opportunities and you kept building um, and creating and innovating. Um, what kind of drove you to make those forward pushes after you landed your Google internship? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I think the... the the thing that I feel like has always driven me through everything yeah. uh, has always been my parents. And that's such mm -hmm. a typical immigrant answer. But yeah. for me, like my parents are everything, right? Like um, my parents gave up everything in their lives mm -hmm. and they left it behind in South Korea so that my brother and I could have a shot at the so-called American. American yeah. Right. And I remember when I was, I guess when I was sort of, growing up uh, my parents struggled financially like they, yeah. they really did um and we were we always had conversations of should we move back should we eventually go go elsewhere right yeah. and that was always a conversation that we that we always held because we genuinely didn't know the answers to those questions mm -hmm. and so the more i began to learn sort of about the sacrifices that my parents have made for me as i got older the more i yeah. began to realize man like i can't I can't let my parents' sacrifices go to vain. Yeah. Right? Like I just can't let them just die off. And I would be, I would be ungrateful to not take advantage of every opportunity that I have. So yeah. that's why even when I started working at Google, I was like, man, there's, there's so much more that I want to do for the world. Mm -hmm. um, and eventually now I'm full-time consulting where I believe I am fulfilling my life's pur purpose yeah. of truly helping others land their dream jobs. Yeah. That, that's beautifully put. I, I completely agree with you. Um, yeah, I, I feel the same way about like my parents because, and, and I feel like that's a story for a lot of immigrant children where their parents gave up a lot for them uh, to, you know, come to, I, I'm from Canada, but, you know, to come to North America and pursue the American dream type of thing. Um, um, yeah, it, it, it's ridiculously hard. I can't even imagine, you know, sort of the sacrifices that they've had to make to be able to put me in this position here. Um so, yeah. Um, Crazy. Where did this passion for helping others with their career and, and all these other different things uh, come from? I think the, the main area is just like, I always think back to freshman year Jerry, you know, yeah. where freshman year Jerry had no idea what he was doing with his career or anything like that. And I always think about all the people who've invested into me. Mm -hmm. and, and again, like they invested into me, 
not expecting anything in return. Yeah. Right. Which is why almost everything that we have, we give for free yeah. online. Right. Like most people don't even think that we're a business. Most people think that we're a nonprofit because of yeah. how much free things we give. Right. The only time we charge someone is, hey, like if you want us to do things for you. Yeah. Cool. But otherwise, if you just want to do it yourself and learn. It's all there for you. There, yeah. Right. And so that's the whole motto behind consulting, right? Is that yeah. like people have this misconception that like, hey, like we're sort of here to like take advantage of people. No, like everything that we have mm-hmm. is, is out there for free. Right. That's that's the whole thing I always think about is like, what what do I wish I what did what what did I wish I read when I was a freshman mm-hmm. in, in in college that would have helped me? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And, and I love that the way you put it. It's kind of like giving back uh, to the people that are in similar situations like yourself, um, which is super poetic in, in, in a lot of ways. Um, and, and something else that I kind of wanted to touch upon is you've you've done a lot of hard work and it's pretty self-evident with, you know, the the production, the, the piece of contents you put out. Um, and, and you've worked ridiculously hard over the past few years um, and more. And yeah, I was reading an article about how people in America, especially in our sort of age group, um, is dealing with a lot of, you know, mental health and other uh, burnout syndromes and all these other problems. Um, yeah. Is there something that you did to sort of help you stay productive and, and moving forward, but at that, at that same time, protect yourself and your mental health? I would say just know what, know what makes you feel relaxed, yeah. right? For me, like what makes me feel relaxed is I love hanging out with friends and I love to be around friends and people and all yeah. that. Um, and for me, that was one of the hardest things about COVID was that I can no longer see my friend. I didn't have an outlet for me to mm-hmm. relax or alleviate stress. And so oh, yeah. that was probably the one of the hardest things for me um, as I was sort of moving to, to, to the new norm. Mm-hmm. Um, but now what I do is I make every effort to call a friend or, yeah. or, or do whatever, because that truly is what makes me happy. So for those people who are struggling with something similar, like you just need to figure out what makes you feel very calm. What makes you feel very happy? Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's great. I feel like human connection is super important in almost all aspects of your life, not just, you know, taking care of yourself being productive um but it's 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 very important um but yeah i i think we should sort of start wrapping it up here so i think that this one final question i have for you is uh is what's one piece of advice that you would give yourself or people in sort of like in in like their freshman year of college to uh to make the most out of this opportunity of college university that they have I would say that the most important thing is just go for it, right? Like the biggest thing that, or yeah, don't, don't self-reject probably is is the way I would Mm -hmm. phrase it better. Yeah. Uh, Most of the time, I think I see when I work with people who come from non-traditional backgrounds, they always self-reject. They always say, I'm not good enough. That's for smart people. Right. But at the end of the day, like who's telling you that, are you telling yourself that or do you or is there all these companies are telling you that exact same thing yeah nine out of ten times it's most people telling themselves that because they feel like they're not good enough yeah that's just simply not true yeah 
Well, thank you so much, Jerry, for coming on. Um, and for anybody else that wants to check out Jerry or, or go hit him up or, or check out One Salting, um, all of that's going to be linked in the description. Um, so once again, thank you, Jerry. Of course, Darth. I appreciate you having me here. Thank you.